Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm your host, Ellen Parson, Editor-in-Chief of ECNM, and I'm here today with some electrical professionals from Rosenden Electric. They're here today to talk with us about what it's like for women to succeed in the traditionally male-dominated electrical contracting and engineering industry. ACNM On Air is one of the many benefits available to our members only portal, which offers exclusive member benefits and premium content that's hand selected by our editorial team. If you're interested in finding out more, you can register on our website, ecmweb.com, in the drop down menu under premium content. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please check out our website for the links mentioned in this podcast. You can find it in the premium content area. So, like I said, today I'm talking with Sandy Hankowitz, a project manager from Tennessee, Angela Rundle, a division manager from California, and Jessica Ray, a project manager from Oregon, all of whom are from Rosenden Electric. I'm gonna let our guests introduce themselves briefly today before we jump right into the discussion. Uh, so please tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Rosenden. Sandy, would you like to begin? Yes, thank you, Ellen. Um, I'm excited to be part of this discussion. As Ellen had mentioned, my name is Sandy Hankowitz. I am with Rosenden as a project manager on a data center here in Tennessee. Um, November 15th marks my one year anniversary with Rosenden, so I'm a new employee. Um, and personally about myself, I have recently just gotten engaged and have only lived in Tennessee for six years. Wonderful. Awesome. Um, again, thank you very much. Um, I'm Angela Rundle, a division manager here for Rosenden. Um, I run a group that's um, focused on operations, building data centers here in the Bay Area, California. I've been at Rosenden for just three years, but in the industry for 15 and um, lived in the Bay Area, California almost my entire life. And I'm currently here with two small children, six and eight. Great. Hi, thank you again for hosting us. I'm Jessica Ray. Um, I've been with Rosen. It'll be 12 years this January. I'm a senior project manager here in Hillsborough, and I am currently working on a project for one of the largest uh, semiconductor manufacturers. And fun little tidbit about me, I'm actually married to my husband, Jordan, who I met in middle school. And uh, not too far from where we grew up, I literally am about five miles down the road from where I grew up. And we've got two little kids, our son, Riker, who's five, and our daughter, Elsie, who is three. That's fantastic. It sounds like we've got a really good group here to talk about different diverse um, situations that you're working in different areas. So um, now that we know a little bit more about our guests, let's jump right into the discussion. I'd kind of like to know more about what you're specifically working on. I think our listeners uh, would be very interested in that. So if we could start with what kinds of projects you're working on, and that way they can help understand what you're exactly doing at Rosenden. I can kick us off. Um, so I am currently leading a team of about 10 people on a job site I mentioned. Uh, I'm a direct to the customer and the customer being a large semiconductor manufacturing company here in Hillsborough. Um, rough idea. My project's been running for multiple years and we have just, just over probably a thousand uh, individual scopes of work with a project value of roughly $140 million right now. Wow. So it's, it's a fairly large ongoing repeated customer work. Mm -hmm. Sandy. Yeah, yeah, just to back that up, um, I'm here working on a uh, second phase of this build for the data center here in Gallatin, Tennessee. Um, 
it's like a little mini city within uh, uh, the city itself. Um, at any given time, we have anywhere from 1,200 employees to 1,800 employees a day. Um, wow. Yeah, it, it, it's a huge operation, but um, I'm responsible uh, for not only the lead on the phase two, which includes all of the buildings, and we have PMs for each div different building um, as a go-to from the customer and the GC, but also um, hyper-focused on building three, um, managing $93 billion of the electrical install. Um, so it's, it's coordinating procurement, it's coordinating the installation, it's coordinating the schedule. Uh, project managers are responsible for the healthiness of the financials and making sure all of those pieces blend together with your field counterparts, um, as well as with the customer and the GC. Wow. So how does that work? Um, it sounds like, do you all typically work on these larger projects and that's all consuming or do you work on multiple different projects or you focus more on these huge projects and then work through those? And also I was curious, do you, um, do, are you on site? Is a lot of the work done virtual? You can probably get into both of those. And I want to let Angela talk about her role as well. Then maybe we could get into that. Awesome. Um, yeah, as a division manager here at Rosenden, I run a team of about 16 people, um, project managers, assistant PMs, purchasing agents. We, um, I'm happy to say that five of my staff out of those 16 are female. Um, Great. It's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. um, so we mostly focus on data centers here in the Bay Area. Um, data centers meaning um, anything from completely ground up brand new buildings or retrofits. We build out spaces for customers who lease a space within a giant data center, um, service work. We really kind of do anything, you know, large projects that can last multiple years and cost $100 million to a $2 million tenant improvement project where we're just hanging busway for a couple of server cabinets. We, we do it all. Um, I will just slightly mention also, um, we have a couple of projects that we're working on, which are um, kind of out of our normal wheelhouse, but they're um, container housing projects that we're working with a local nonprofit Life Moves and um, delivering some basically retrofitted shipping containers to help assist the community for folks experiencing homelessness and help and transitional development and help get them jobs and things like that. So couple of small, almost side projects, but those are pretty exciting ones. That's fantastic. So are most of, is most of your work done in person? Like when you're working on these big jobs, how does that work? Like co mobilizing, coordinating that many people? Yeah, so I'm mostly here in the office and I will rotate and visit the projects as I need to. Luckily, they're all kind of here in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. I can make my rounds, um, but they're usually staffed with a senior PM. If it's large enough, it'll have a project executive, but I'll have my kind of boots on the ground, so to speak. There'll be a staff of anywhere from two to sometimes five or six people that are on site in the trailers, full-time boots and hard hats, and that's where they report every single day. Okay, great. How does that, is that similar to you, Sandy and Jessica? No. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jessica. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, funny, Angela, of my 10, half are females on our, on our project as well. So I love it. Awesome. There's a trend there. Yes. Yeah, it is. So we actually joke around in on site because I am on site. I'm, I'm at the customer's house full time. Every once in a while, I will go over to our division office for meetings and stuff, but we are there Monday through Friday always on site it's nice to be able right. to just run out if something happens you got to get into the field see what's going on it's easier interaction 
Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to say is it's funny because anytime we go into the bathroom, if all the stalls are full, we'll all go, we've, we've succeeded females. We are doing our job. Good job, everybody. We've done this. Or I've actually had the customers will get on like an elevator and we'll go. And I had it happen one time where it was literally full of all females. And we all just kind of looked at each other. And one of the ladies in particular, who was a direct customer, she goes, I think this is a first and I'm pretty proud of us right now. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, it was pretty cool. That's hilarious. Yes. But yeah, we are, we're direct at the job site where okay. we're at. Sandy, how about you? Same for me. Um, even before I was with Rosadin, um, it is integral to a project manager, um, even if it's not acquired, which on my job site is acquired that I am on the job sites daily walks through the building to make sure installation is going on, safety walks are mandatory. But I had the same experience before coming here, getting to know your project, visually seeing it helps you um, mentalize the financial health of your project, right? If you're you're not embedded in the situation, then um, you lose that touch with the project. So yes, we are required to be here uh, full-time, my phase is a two and a half year project, but like I said, we're on phase two. So they've already been here a year and a half. It'll be a total of five years before the actual three phases are finished on this project. Okay, that's amazing. Um, so I kind of like to get into just on ECM in general, our readers, I've been with the magazine, well, the electrical group on the magazine um, over 20 years. And, you know, during that time, it, it is a male dominated industry. Our readers are, are, mostly male. Um, It's definitely above 90% of our readers are male. Um, But that has been changing. You know, I think it, you know, years ago, it was closer to 100% male. Um, And now it's, you know, changing slowly. So I wanted, you know, just talking to you, you all successful women who are succeeding and thriving in this male dominated industry, I wanted to kind of just start with, you know, working in that kind of environment, have you faced any challenges? And if so, you know, what were they? How did you face them? How did you overcome them? You know, if we could start with that. And then I kind of like to also look at your background and maybe how you got interested in the electrical industry so that, you know, potential people looking at this as a possible career choice could, you know, consider that. Do you mind if I kick it off first with talking about how I actually got into the industry first and then then answer your other question? Mm -hmm. Um, So totally not traditional at all. I went to school to be a middle school math teacher and I was in my last year of college when they were doing mass uh, teacher layoffs in my local area and I was torn. I couldn't, I couldn't go to a, another year of grad school and pay that and justify it when I knew I was never going to find a job for another five plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sister, who at the time worked for Rosadin, kept trying to nudge me and go, join the apprenticeship, join the apprenticeship. And I was like, you're crazy. I went straight out of high school to college. I'm not doing another five years. Hindsight's 2020 would have been a cool option. But so she urged me to take a construction math class at the local community college while I was getting my degree at Portland State. And I I fell in love with it. I love numbers. They're my thing. I always have, I, my middle school math teacher, Mrs. Darling is actually the reason I wanted to become a math teacher. She was fantastic. And so I took the class and I loved it. Uh, Construction math at PCC, nothing like electrical math, um, but still fun. And so I kept trying to get into the industry and eventually, finally, 
finally got my resume in front of the division manager for the local Hillsboro area and, and finally got a, an interview after I had actually finally found a job. So that was fun. But, you know, I, I ended up coming in and starting as a project assistant and not where I imagined my life taking me, but I can't imagine it any differently because this is just an amazing company that I was able to get into. That's wonderful. And, and I think it, it's becoming a lot more common that, you know, you don't necessarily do what you went to school for and people do change. And when you figure out things like that, like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to get a job in this area. And then you ended up finding something that was even better for you. So that's fabulous. I can say I was probably a little bit more traditional. Um, I, my father was an electrician, self-employed. So I, I got to go make house calls with him. I got to help him, you know, do rough in. I, I can install your electrical outlet for you, change your ceiling fan, you know, all that stuff for the Mm -hmm. little lady down the street. And, um, I remember he asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was in seventh grade. And I was like, I'd just done a report on Sally Wright. Like, of course I'm going to be an astronaut. Hello. Uh (laughs) So he goes, okay. Didn't flinch, didn't anything, always forever confident and supportive. Right. And said, well, you need to go to Cal Poly. You need to go to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. I said, okay, I'm going to go there. And Years later, I applied, got accepted before I'd ever seen this school, and that's where I went. <laughs> got an electrical engineering degree and kind of always knew I would be something in construction, but I didn't want to be a behind-the-desk engineer doing drafting and everything. I just mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that I had those skills. Um, so my first job actually was with an electrical subcontractor, and I worked for two before I was fortunate to settle here at Rosenden. And um, really, I've, I've just been building data centers since the day I started. That's so cool. And it's so diverse because there you have that you started, you know, as a young girl, you did, you know, have feelings for that. You did know you're focused on that. And then Jessica obviously had no idea she was going to end up in this industry. So two completely different paths that led, you know, to the same place. So that's so cool. Um, Sandy, how about you? Did you always know this was a field like a STEM field? Was it something that you wanted to work in and maybe how you got involved in this, in this industry? No, not at all. I'm on my third career. I'm a little bit older than the ladies here on the panel today. Um, and I started as no college degree, worked my way up as, you know, just administrative, working different fields in the business uh-huh. world. Um, later established my leadership skills and became a director for a nonprofit scholarship program. From there, I ended up uh, working for a company in the HVAC and really found my niche as being a coordinator and my skills applying to like handling the scheduling and the finance background and all of that. Um, and the market then in the, uh, I wanna say it was the 2009 when it kind of hit and our economy took a hit um, and jobs were just cutting people's positions. And I had to scramble and figure out you know, how am I going to provide and what am I going to do? And uh, an opportunity came into me getting a job in an electrical contractor. And um, I started just as a coordinator, right? Moved my way into estimating and then moved my way into project managing and realized that it was a great fit with, with my background and the type of person I am that this gave me joy, right? And that not only did it give me joy, but once I came on with Rosaden, just the feeling of unity, and it isn't, I have not noticed that it's a male-female role anywhere in any of our roles, even in our craft empowerment. 
Uh, we've got female GFs, general foreman, which is the top of the chain out there. We've got female foreman. We've got, you know, mentoring going on within the project group from APMs because we know they're going to be our next individuals. I probably have 10 more years and I'm going to retire. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's totally different than where I came from, but I, I believe that there's always a reason why you end up where you are. So that is so interesting. Um, I think a lot of companies are starting to realize Rosenden obviously gets it because you guys are leading here with so many things and even, you know, with females in, uh, you know, management roles. Uh, but the fact that you all three came from completely different backgrounds and you've worked your way into these successful positions. So a lot of companies need to maybe rethink that they have to train the people and you, it's the person that you want, not necessarily, you know, the background, you can train a person to do something. So it sounds like you're all, you know, kind of following that, that role as well. So um, kind of, you know, touching on you, you touched on a little bit, Sandy said you haven't really noticed that it's a male dominated industry necessarily. So I wanted to find out, have you all felt like you had any challenges as a female in this industry or, you know, if you did, how did you face them and overcome those challenges? Uh, me personally, this is one that always kind of gets me. I I've tried my hardest to remove that from my, my vocabulary, male, male dominated. Mm -hmm. I, I don't use it anymore because if I call it male dominated, I'm acknowledging that there's a difference. And quite frankly, I view myself as 100% equal. doesn't matter if I'm male or female. Mm -hmm. it's we're capable of the job it's it's who we are and so I tell myself there isn't a difference so that way when I walk into that room I expect to be treated the same and I'm not going to treat anybody different anyways and so I just I, I I stick pretty heavily to that I don't like to view people as any different and I don't like to view myself as any different um, funny enough I've dealt with more of the age discrimination and people looking at me and calling me young lady and oh, right um, treating me different because of my age. Cause when I started out, I was fresh out of college and, and I kind of fast tracked right up into the, the assistant project manager right away. And so I, I've actually dealt with that more than being the only female in the room, I think. Okay. Interesting. And I like how you said, um, that's your perception. Like if you don't see it, then maybe the other people don't see it. Like everyone else would describe it as a male dominated industry, but if you don't even let that come into your mind, then that is a big step in the right direction. So that's really awesome. Sandy, you said um, you hadn't really experienced that. Do you have any other thoughts on? on so, so to clarify, I haven't really experienced that at Rosadin. And to piggyback okay. off of what Jessica said, um, I've been in the industry nine years before Rosadin. Okay. So I experienced it heavily at other okay. uh, contractors. Um, and, and maybe that's a generation thing, right? I'm a little, little bit older. Um, right. So the individuals that I worked with were a little more set in their ways. Uh, not as many women. Um, I think I was one of two women at my last company and the whole company, and they were a national company as well. Maybe not to the degree of how big Rosadin is, but they were a, 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 a big player um, okay. with only having a few women in the company. Um, but Rosadin's not like that. And my mindset started to change towards what just Jessica was saying, and I completely agree with her that once I got to Rosadin and saw that there are companies out that out here that are leading this charge, right? Like no one's ever, ever said anything here that, that makes me think people are thinking that it's male or female. Mm -hmm. They talk, it's very inclusive. I've never 
felt that in my life before with the company. Um, and I'm very proud that I, I've found a company that is that far ahead um, in uh, the way that they look at and, you know, individuals. And even though I didn't have a construction background as long as other people, they saw my skills and that those skills would fit into what a project manager needs to be. That's fantastic. I, I think for me, um, I was very fortunate to you know, have my father as an electrician. I grew up with an older brother. Um, we were each other's kind of only playmates most of the time. And I just never really had a chance to think that it was like male, female. It was just, you know, Bryson and Angela. It was, you know, so throughout my whole career, it was like um, Angela and Bob, you know, they might treat Angela different than Bob, but it's because I'm Angela. I'm a little bit different. Like, you know, I don't necessarily expect to be treated the same. I'm a, you know, self-proclaimed kind of goofball. And um, I threw a baby shower on the job site because two of our guys were having babies at the same time. And they all kind of what? We don't do that. What's going on? And I said, fine, we're going to not have a baby shower. And that's what it was. So, you know, that was the title, not a baby shower. And, oh, that's great. <laughs> you know, and they, they still came, they put on the stupid outfits, they took the gifts and they gave me hugs and they were appreciative. And that's Angela, right? That's not a female. I don't, I don't take it that way. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what Angela does. That's what Bob does. And you just kind of have to to own it. I mean, it just, I know it's not the same for everybody. i like I said, I grew up with my father. I grew up with my brother. I was just pretty confident. My very, very first role, I was fortunate to have um, an, a male advocate, I think, you know, or work advocate um, who happened to have two daughters. So again, he was just kind of blind to the whole thing and he was super supportive of me. I mean, I was green on day one and he let me come to any meeting I wanted to and just sit in the back like there's no reason you can't be here see what it see what your life is going to be like in 10 years sure you got time be a fly on the wall do whatever you want anything I wanted to do he let me try um so I, I think it's just you you have to try you have to have your confidence be genuine and be expected to be treated fairly but it's okay if you're treated a little bit differently because you're different everybody's a different person that, and that's so inspiring to see that you all feel that way. So that does give hope to some of the people who may not feel that way. Maybe they, you know, have experienced some, you know, things that are not equitable in the, in the electrical contracting industry. And Rosenden obviously is really, um, you know, kind of a pioneer there. So it's just so great to be talking to everyone. You're going to give people, you know, an inspiration of, of people who want to work in the industry. So um, thank you for that. Um, I kind of wanted to change gears here a little bit, and we do an annual um, Top 50 Electrical Contractor Survey, which just came out in our September issue. Um, Rosenin's always on that list and the other big players. One of the statistics that kind of jumped out at me that relates to this discussion is with worker shortages and specifically with females. So we we found that, you know, 81% said, indicated that they were experiencing worker shortages. So that's not really a surprise. Um, so I wanted to find out in your, you know, roles, are you feeling a strain when it comes to filling certain positions over others? So although 81% of the respondents said yes, they are experiencing these shortages, that was up from 75% in last year's survey. Um, they cited electrician and electrical foreman as the most difficult positions to fill. So how does that align with what you're seeing? I would definitely say that aligns. I would even take it a step further and say that I feel that those percentages are low. I think oh. within the last year, those percentages have creeped up. And that was just my experience of the trouble we are getting craft 
out here on our job site to do the installation. But I do feel that it's been for the last 15, 20 years, tradesmen across all MEPs have been scarce, right? Like everyone's fighting for the same people. Right. So, which in turn then puts, you know, a war out there of who can pay better, who can do it. Yeah. It's just so hard to maintain and keep uh, the employees that you have. The turnover is high. I would also take it a step further and say within um, recently, within the last five, 10 years or 10, yeah, five, 10 years that not only are we seeing it in the tradesmen, but we are also seeing in the professional world. You have senior PMs and PMs and estimators and uh, schedulers that are up there, they're older and you don't have the younger individuals coming up as much uh, into these roles that are being trained. And I feel like uh, here at Rosaden, we do a really good job of encouraging our leaders, our senior PMs, our PMs to mentor any of the young girls coming up that, that feel like they have an interest, even if they're from the field and they come to you and they're a general foreman, hey, I would love to get into the office, you know, and taking them under your wing. And they encourage that here. But yeah, I feel like I totally agree. Those statistics probably are slightly low, but yes, it is a huge problem. Okay. I, I, I would have to, to sorry, I'd have, I'd have to say I agree. We've actually not as heavily right now at this current time, but we've actually seen people wanting to step down in the foreman role. Um, that pay bump from a journeyman to a foreman, it, it's just not enough to incentivize these people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's an uptick in responsibility and, and a lot of them are just saying, I, I'd rather go to work and just come home at the end of the day, right? Like this is why I got into the trade. And, and so we're actually seeing the decline in that, but then what I do have to say is the individuals that we're seeing step into that role. For me, I see, see one or two people that step into a, a leadership, whether it's in the field or in the office, right? It's going to be somebody who either is strives for having control over a situation, which they don't last very long because I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but project management is more about managing the conflicts and the issues than having actual control over them. Amen. And, <laughs> right. That's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> Or it's somebody who isn't doing it for the glory, isn't doing it for the pay, because 10% really isn't that much. It's somebody who's doing it because they feel the, the leadership, the, that lead desire, right? And so what I do say is the ones that we're seeing step into these roles and, and last in them are the people that I can see as the next generation of leaders in the field and who are going to be our future superintendents and stuff. So I do have to say that the ones that we're seeing step into those roles, it is really, really cool. It's a, we're starting to see the next generation built that it's very, very slow, right, Sandy? We don't have as many incoming into the industry as we all really need right now. Um, so it, it is nice though, to see this, this newer generation stepping up and kind of starting to take the reins a little bit. Just a small point of view from more of the, the office side. I mean, I know that we're having I think first off COVID had, it was kind of a lull on everything, right? I just think that um, enrollment in the apprenticeships were down. I mean, and that's, that's, that just is a cascading effect, right? So we're kind of reaping the, you know, 
bad consequences of that right now. And hopefully we can recover. But um, it was very, very similar from the, the office side too. Um, we have tried to start to shift our, our view to finding you know foundational skills, right? That people that can be taught, that can learn that they're driven, right? We like to say hungry, humble, and smart. Um, they don't necessarily have to have um, the, the tools. They don't need to come from another trade or another, you know, a competitor or a partner or something. Maybe they've never done construction before, but they're excited and they want to learn. And we just realized we need to be ready to invest in them. And we just kind of have a different perception now, a different point of view when we are approaching the recruiting aspect and, and kind of what we're looking for there. That's such a good point. Cause I think that just speaks to how open-minded you are, because, you know, I think in the past it's traditionally been like, well, if you don't have XYZ qualifications, sorry, like you're not you can't move into the project manager role or whatever role it is. And it sounds like that's not the case here and that's not how you're really looking at that. Yep. What about, have you seen, I know we're talking about, you know, from, from a entry level all the way up to leadership roles. Um, as far as young people go, I have just in talking with, we do our 30 under 30 um, electrical all-stars and those come from all different you know areas of the electrical industry. But as far as like what they're looking for, Sandy mentioned something that I, caught my attention where, um, you know, you're competing for the same people um, in, in, in all these different key players and all the, in, you know, is it salary that's motivating them? Is it flexibility? Is, have you seen a change in, you know, what these, this younger generation is looking for? Is it just pay? It doesn't seem like it is. It seems like things, new things are important to them that maybe weren't important to me and I'm a little bit older too. So, um, you know, in the past it was just like, well, you get this job, you work in it, you do this many years and you try to move your way up and you keep your head down and you don't say anything. So it doesn't, the, the younger people don't really feel that way. And they're willing to speak up. They're willing to say, this is what I want. And these things are motivating me. And maybe they're not traditional things. Have you seen anything like that as far as the younger people coming in? Absolutely. Um, I can just say very briefly from my perspective, the people that are coming in our door for interviews, um, yes, salary is a component. They want to make sure that they can have a living wage. And, but, but mostly like that salary number comes down to it's a representation of being appreciated and valued, right? They want to know that they're making an impact at work and that their work is making an impact on the community. It's, it's like going a step further, like they're a lot more altruistic, um, the younger generation, they want to make sure that they are, you know, that the Rosenden Foundation is a huge thing that we mention in our interviews all the time. They want to know what sort of ways they can give back. What kind of projects do we do? What's, what are our values, you know, just our core values alone. So um, it, yes, money and then having quality of life, you know, work-life balance, those are all kind of still there mm -hmm. with the, being valued, being appreciated, and being able to be appreciated for what they invest in communities and everything else too. So hopefully that's going to be a way that, you know, you all can bridge this hiring gap so that you can get more of those people. So how do you think, um, do you have any strategies? It sounds like Rosen and it's not really an issue there. So um, of how maybe then how have you succeeded in specifically targeting young women, getting females into the trade, or maybe it sounds like you're not targeting women, you're just targeting people, you know, and if they so happen to be women, great. If they don't, great. But um, how would, how would you answer that? Like, how do we get more young females into this industry? Uh, one thing in particular prior to COVID uh, that we did here locally is, is ELO, early learning opportunity, where we were bringing high school students into our office. Um, they came into our office, 
multiple high schools would come in. Um, we'd put together this presentation where, um, you know, office, field, just a slew of people would kind of talk about different things, what, what a project was like, what it, what would BIM look like, what would prefab look like, what would project management, right, the whole gamut, and, and give these students an opportunity to see what the life of working in the trades is like. Um, what does the pay scales look like? What, what are all of these things? And then we'd put hard hats on them and gloves and safety vests and, and send them out to our prefab shop and walk them around and show them what it looks like and right. Just get them introed into it. And just recently, my nephew is in high school. I've got a couple of them and he keeps asking me like, Hey, Aunt Jesse, how do I get into the industry? Like, what is it like? And he keeps asking about it. And I'm like, man, I really wish that we we would offer internships because we do a lot of internships for college students. And I wish that we would offer internships at a, at a high school level. And Rosenen has this amazing thing where you can go submit recommendations. And just two weeks ago, I think it was, I actually submitted like, hey, can we look at getting high school students into our company, even if it's just in the office, because there is a liability aspect to taking them onto projects, right? But can we look at that to get them interested so that way they know there is an option besides college for their future and, and get them thinking about it? And I mean, I just got a response today that says, yeah, that's something we're going to start looking into. Thank you. So that on a side note is the kind of company we work for, a company that's willing to take those, those opinions, that feedback and kind of put it into play. But I, I really think it's going to be getting to even before college, right? That's how we're going to get more people into the industry, not waiting until college, but mm -hmm. trying to get the high school students interested in understanding that the trades is a viable option. In fact, it's a really amazing option. Want to not have any debt? Mm -hmm. That's the way to go. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And get started on your career. <laughs> and um, I don't have a lot of personal experience with it, but I do know that we do several sort of construction camps in Camp Nawick, and um, we have one, I think that we've done our first one here in Texas, we've done a couple years in a row. I mean, we take young girls as young as 13, 14 years old, and they get to come and spend an entire week. They're learning how to use, you know, power tools, they're building dog houses, they're, they're you know, learning how to measure, cut, and do all of those things, and, and then they get to come back, you know, year two, three, if they want to, right? They get that opportunity, and it's been immensely successful. So we've had several return um, return um, students and they find it very valuable and exciting. And um, I'm hopeful that we can run that program out in a lot more locations, but um, you know, it's a it takes some time to set up, but yeah. everywhere that we've done it so far, it's been immensely successful. That's amazing. Obviously it does take a lot of effort, you know, to do all these things. A lot of companies, I mean, ours included, it's like, it would be great to do some of these things, but you, a lot of people, you know, your head down, you're just trying to work, trying to get everything done. And those things, you know, like Jessica said, they take time, they take energy. You have to be able to, you know, bring them into the office and show them these things and mentor them. And so it's definitely uh, an investment on your part as well. So that speaks a lot to what you're doing. So that's, that's really great. So let's talk about, um, you know, you, you all talked about a lot of the Rosenin specific programs that you have. So could we talk about um, maybe other opportunities that your positions have given you a chance to pursue, like advocacy work as leaders in your company and your community, because it sounds like you all are really involved in that. 
Um, I can I can speak on a couple of things. Um, you know, I I haven't always been at Rosenden. I've only been at Rosenden for three years, and I can say um, just from a personal perspective that you know, three years ago before I joined Rosenden, I was ready. I was going to retire. I was going to be a stay at home mom. I was done. I didn't like the work life balance, and um, I needed to be able to be a mother. I needed to be able to be a wife. Um, and um, Rosenden has I've been just life-changing in that you know I volunteered at my daughter's school for the first time last week oh wow she was as emotional as I am right oh, now sorry but yes no, it was no, the first time I got to go during the school day right I got to hey guys and I didn't get any phone calls hey why were you at this meeting Nothing. I got they hey send me a picture you know, what's going on. Um, so it's it's really, really cool. And um, Rosenden is super, super supportive in that whole perspective. And um, so that itself has kind of been life-changing. And then just briefly earlier, I mentioned, um, you know, we got an opportunity from uh, a partner general contractor that asked us about this, um, uh, the container housing project, right, to help um, end homelessness or hopefully someday right and but um to help help the situation here locally and um I immediately raised my hand yes I would love to do that I would love to be a part of that and Rosanna didn't ask me any questions I mean um it was it was cool thank you so much for for chasing this and um we've delivered um we're going to be delivering our second project here soon and um um at the risk of, of a little bit more emotion I, I got to meet one of the tenants and um Mm -hmm. That in itself is really, really incredible. Um, I got to talk with this this woman, and she told me about how she was about to get um, move into her apartment in next week, and she was going to start a job two weeks later. All that this community had helped her, and this is the part that really gets me. Um, this development that we delivered was the first and only shelter that allowed her and her 14 year old son to stay together because technically he's a man, right? He's okay. not allowed to stay in a female shelter. So she just slept outside on the street with him until this facility that I got to help be a part of, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's what Rosenden does. I, that's, that's what phenomenal. Rosenden lets us do. And like you mentioned, you know, if, if a few years ago you were thinking about not working in the industry because you were trying to balance all that, but then you found a place that was able to give you everything so you can have have both. And that's so wonderful. Um, the same thing, I have a journalism background, but I had to become a freelancer many years ago because my kindergarten daughter was crying every single day when I pick her up from the school and saying, why am I the last one picked up? Why, you know, I'm here till six o'clock at night and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm dropping her off at seven in the morning and I'm picking her up at six o'clock at night and she's saying, why am I the last one here? And so I was able, luckily, to work from home and before people actually work from home and yep. be a freelancer because I didn't want to give up my career, but I also could not do that. Um, I couldn't see that every day. It just wasn't going to work. So it, it is a challenge for, I would say, you know, not even necessarily women, just people, you know, with all yep. kinds of situations with children, with older parents, with all the family things that everyone has to balance. So that is such a good point. That's the kind of company that Rosetan is, right? I mean, nothing near as drastic, but not too long ago, a couple, maybe two years ago, a year or so ago, I remember going to my boss and going, I, I, I can't. Mm -hmm. I have two small kids and they deserve a mom who is focused on them, right? You're talking about picking them up from school and, mm -hmm. and being able to give them the attention they deserve outside of home, right? And, and I was like, I, I just can't do it. I need to put them first. And it wasn't a 
I didn't get the, how dare you? I didn't get the, well, that's disappointing to hear. I got the, let's make it better. What can I do to help you? What can I do to support you? She, she let me vent. She let me talk. She, right. She was supportive. She was nothing but support. And then regularly calling and just going, Hey, how are you doing? I've got this, this, no, no, no. I mean, like, how are you doing? Right. Like that's the kind of community that Rosedon is. Mm -hmm. It's, I know some people hate the term like work family. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what this place is. I mean, we're a work family. Somebody has a baby. We all pull together and buy him a crib, right? Or somebody's out for medical for some unforeseen reason. We pass the hat. It's that's, that's what this company is. And it's, I, I can't imagine being anywhere else. Well, so, and it's, it's allowed them though, to keep these stellar employees. So it, it really is, it does speak to that. So, um, you know, it's just such a great discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of all those wonderful opportunities that we get, because Rosadin sets highly the importance on our foundation and working with our community, not only companies, but our community where we, where we're building, um, there's also the opportunity because of the position that you're in um, as leaders that you get recognized. Um, just recently, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've never had this many offers um, <laughs> to come be an advocate. Uh, for example, um, I just received an email last week from University of Tennessee, Center for Professional Education and Lifelong Learning. They'd like to welcome me and wondered if I would be willing to be a part of their advisory board. That is amazing. Yeah. And that was all off of them seeing my LinkedIn profile and everything that's on there and knowing in my community here for the last six years that I've been a leader. So my name is out there, who I work for is out there. Um, So those are benefits that we get for and opportunities from our positions here at at Rosabin. That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, this has just been such a great discussion. I would like to keep it going on for a lot, lot for hours more, but I, we need to kind of keep it, keep it, um, you know, within an hour so that our listeners can, can, you know, keep tuned in. So I kind of wanted to close with, if you all have any kind of people always like our listeners like to hear words of wisdom, um, you know, any kind of advice you'd like to give for breaking into the electrical contracting or engineering, both profession. Um, and so maybe we can end on that. Um, my advice would be don't wait for the opportunity to present itself. You'll be waiting for the rest of your life, own your path and take every opportunity, be proactive, be persistent, be reliable. All of those are what everything else will follow after that. That's all that you need to do just be those things proactive, persistent, and reliable and, and you'll have it. That's perfect. I would add to that and just say for like the older generation that probably never thought that this was a path, uh, Mm -hmm. keep your, keep your options open there. The world is going in such a different direction than how we have come up that any, um, opportunity, if your skills fit could be a great opportunity for you. So, um, just be open, like Jessica was saying, and, and take ownership of your path, but realize it's not too late. It's never too late to find something as rewarding um, later in life than you think you you could or couldn't, right? Absolutely. 
I, I would just add, be curious, never stop asking questions. Um, always ask why, how, when, um, even if you are a young kid, the foreman, the general foreman, love to know that you are interested and you're excited um, in any career that you jump into. I mean, I feel like that's good advice. Always be curious, dig for more. What's the what's next? Why did this happen? Um, but absolutely, most importantly, is just be authentic. Don't try to fit somebody else's mold. Be yourself, no matter how much you think you might fit in. It's not going to last if you're not really being you. If you're not really being comfortable, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Be authentic and just own it and it will happen. All such great advice. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, it looks like we're out of time. So I really wanted to thank all three of you. You have been absolutely phenomenal and the listeners are going to love this. They're going to love listening to your words of inspiration and just your experiences. So I really, really thank you for joining us today. In closing, I'd also like to thank Senior Associate Editor Ellie Coggins and Associate Editor Michael Morris for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our readers and listeners. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parsons signing off of ECNM on air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future. And don't forget to check out the members only portal on our website for more podcasts and other content resources for electrical construction professionals. Thank you and have a great day.